Okay, my name is Louise. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, 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 hi. It's good to see your smiles. I'm kind of nervous. Um, I've been in this program 13 years, and currently I have an abstinence of one year of no flour and no sugar. I find that a challenge, but I uh, realize that... uh, what, what is the theme? What am I speaking of? What happened? What I'm like? And yeah. Something like that? Okay. Uh, great. And, um, yeah, so uh, I've stayed from flour and sugar after uh, quite a few years of rebellion and resistance. I finally decided to take on the abstinence of my sponsor which is no flour and sugar. And I find it challenging, but I think it's great because I seem to need a, a line, you know, a black and white. If it says flour on a thing or sugar on a label or, you know, I don't, I don't eat it. And that sort of keeps me in line. Um, uh, when I came into the program, I was kind of on my knees. Um, I had been in a program that nobody here probably has heard of but it was uh, and I'm not going to talk about that program because that's not what we do here but what I wanted is I have a general point to make um, I was in a very good holistic kind of uh, three three tiered program spiritual mental physical and I got a lot of success on it and uh, lost weight became very happy in my life which I had not been um, I feel like my whole life has been kind of a low, get, low grade depression and in this program I felt very happy and content I thought this disease was cured but after three years and ten thousand um, dollars after one month of thinking I had this licked my eating came back with a vengeance and what um, what it involved was compulsive eating, you know, beating half from the couch, watching TV to the fridge. And um, I actually realized I didn't tell you what the problem was all those, all those many years before. But um, what I realized from that was that without a program, without tools, without something to keep me in check, my disease would just... Uh, run rampant and my disease included um, overeating in general stuffing to the point of pain Um, I never was a big binger but stuffing to the point of pain you don't have to binge to have that and uh, needing always desserts Uh, I remember eating desserts eating leftover desserts in a restaurant off people's plates uh, thinking it's funny that I need to, to you know, finish a carton of ice cream at an ice cream social and thinking it's funny, that, but it's not really funny because it became a problem. My overeating actually started in my 40s. I became um, depressed, clinically depressed for a year and thought that eating would be a fine way to stay at home. And it was. I mean, that's how I coped. Eating became a coping Um, and since my 40s and I never had problems before that I know some people are born compulsive eaters my first binge actually was when I was 
five years old on peanut butter cookies and I vomited. <laughs> Never had that again. Um, but, you know, so I learned something. But um, I was I was mostly um, thin and uh, happy about that for most of my life. And wanted to be thin and I felt and I thought if I did have an overeating episode I could kick it out uh, within a few days you know in the 20s and 30s but I'm in my 70s now and the bot my body wants to hold on to that my body wants to hold on to weight and so um, I need to apply uh, principles of this program and fellowship and seeing all of you to keep it in check to keep my disease in check so um, so let's see where do I go from here so 40s, 50s, 60s compulsive overeating problem um, after the three years of that program that I mentioned that I was happy and content and cured after a month my eating came back with a vengeance, as I said, absolutely worse than ever, which was such a lesson for me that I just cannot do this by myself. I thought I was on cruise control watching TV. I could just coast. No, I can't coast. I can never coast. So I came into uh, my first meeting um, 13 years ago. And uh, it was on a Friday night at YWCA in Santa Monica. I, <laughs> you know that, so good. And I thought, I'm going to do this program. I was, very, I was very used to having a program from that three years. We did a lot of activities. And, so anyway, I, I got a sponsor. I started working the program. And I started feeling better. I came out of my knees. I was lonely. I was isolated. I was in shame because after all three years and $10,000. But I came in. I took the bull by the horns. I took the program seriously. I got abstinent. I, my first abstinence was no desserts because that was the problem. I always had to have desserts. So no desserts. And I noticed it stopped me compulsive eating overall and I started feeling happy again because I was working the program I was going to a lot of meetings and I remember this meeting at that time was on Robertson I went to that kitchen sink meeting and I've been to the one of uh, the church on uh, Burton Way I guess um, but I live in Santa Monica so I go to meetings there but um, so uh, about I had a great sponsor. I talked to her every day, Monday through Friday. And also, I remember my first service position I took. That really made a difference. I really believe in service in this program. Service is all about joining, joining with you, being part of you. If I don't have that in my life, I am just a loose cannon out there. I need a community. I, need, I have several communities. This is one of them. Um, I have a singing community, I have a church community, I have, and I have this. So, um, and this keeps me sane because I love the principles of this program. Uh, I'm just mentioning service is huge, I think. Um, if I'm not of service in my life, 
I'm focused on my own neuroses, so to speak. I would, I would call it my own navel. Um, and, I, and I love that I have this program with other people that we look at ourselves. We, we have issues, you know. Um, I have friends that don't seem to have as many issues. And sometimes I wish that they did so I could talk to them. But then again, you know, I need to keep my head above water. So I come here to, to deal with my, my neuroses and stuff. And because that's what fuels my overeating. That's what fuels my compulsive eating. So, um, let's see. Where was I? Uh, okay, so after about two years of really feeling the program and feeling a part of and joining, I broke my ankle. And if you've ever had a broken ankle, you know it's very debilitating. And um, I remember my sponsor saying to me, well, now that you've broken your ankle, you can still be of service to other people. And I did not want to have any of that. I just, I was completely self-focused on my body and how difficult it was so she quit me and I got other sponsors I've never left this program and uh, I, I got another sponsor who was who had a lot of family issues so she could deal with me and my not wanting to actually work the program that hard I couldn't go to meetings or well, I thought I couldn't That's, see I lied to myself Self-delusion uh, is a big part of my story. You know, I lie to myself about my food. Not so much now. Um, when I became aware of the self, you know, lying, like I couldn't go to a meeting. No, there was phone meetings. I could have gone to a meeting. But so anyway, little by little, I got my ankle healed. I gained a lot of weight while I was convalescing. And then I lost it again. Uh, I'm still in the program. I never left the program, no matter what. I've had different abstinences over the years. And my phrase is, there's no mistakes. Relapse, there's still no mistakes. Because every relapse brought me to a better understanding of what the problem was. Uh, you know, I, I, I've had different abstinences that no desserts that, and then the second abstinence which is really kooky I'm just going to eat really slow slowly well I could never achieve that okay I still can't achieve it it doesn't feel right to me but I keep thinking about it and sometimes it's better than other times <laughs> I'm guessing some people can relate so and then I had an abstinence of I can eat whatever I want, but do it slowly. That didn't work. Oh, my God. I remember one party celebrating somebody something or other. Um, there was a chocolate cake. And, and I was in this mode of I can eat anything. And I'm a lady, you know. No. No, I'm not. <laughs> One piece of chocolate cake, and then my mind was just could not stop obsessing about the second piece. And then there was a third piece, and I still couldn't stop obsessing. And so, you know, at some point, I think I felt this is 
pain. This is hell. This obsessing, the mental stuff is just, it's like terrible. And then the remorse after doing this stuff and there was a wedding with a cake, you know, horrible, horrible. And finally, you know, but you see, the, the, my issue is um, uh, defiance and stubbornness and the self-will run riot, so-called, in the book. It's just, this has been my, my issue all along, that what I struggle with. Um, I had a, 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 a fellow, kind of a mentor type of guy that I really liked and looked up to, an AA guy, and he once said, yeah, it's spiritual warfare. And I relate, inner conflict, the one who says, no, you're, you want to be healthy, you want to eat right, and then the other one, I want to eat whatever the hell I want, whenever I want. It's that, it's that, that warfare, the internal conflict that has been the bane of me. Um, and I keep remembering the only requirement for this program is the desire to stop eating like that. And it sometimes, I don't know if I have that desire to stop, but basically I do because it is misery making to uh, to be out of control. So what I also, I did have one abstinence where I got a nutritionist who was supposedly well she was in this program, but her idea was eat anything you want consciously and mindfully. Again, a year with her that did not work for me. I can't eat slowly, mindfully, and consciously. <laughs> I need some other tool. And I think the main tools for me have been fellowship, not leaving the program, being joined with you, the steps, the principles of this program. And I want to talk about, the, like I talked before, the ser service I think is so huge. Because it gets me out of myself. It's like a switch. Am I worrying about myself and what I'm getting and who's not paying attention and the love I'm not getting and, oh, I have no partner, uh, uh, I've never been married, oh, God, what's wrong with me? Or, what can I do for you? How can I assist you? How can I help in this situation? It is a miracle to go from that self-focus to, I want to be here for you not to deny me I got to take care of myself all the time um, my joke is self-care is way overrated but self-care is very important <laughs> I mean it has to do with eating right and staying fit and 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 being spiritually fit um, so where was I going with that uh, yeah, service. So to me, the other amazing thing about this program is that in our fourth step, it talks about um, seeing my part. And I have learned really clearly that seeing my part in any conflict or any problem, seeing my part is huge. Because, I mean, I think that's a, a, a national uh, problem. People don't take responsibility for themselves and their feelings and their actions. So, and my part, when I find my part in something, there I have freedom, you know. If somebody's doing me wrong, 
uh, and I and I noticed it. Maybe they're doing it like this, but my part might be like this. And I've done that same thing before, maybe in a lesser amount. But that part, my part, is where my freedom lies. And um, I'm so grateful that this program really focuses on that. You know, when we do our fourth step, uh, what is my part? What is my part? Always, always important. So, um, so what I'm like today is that I attend two meetings a week and thank you but I think I need three meetings a week <laughs> it does make a difference it makes a difference and uh, I have a, a little group that I feel intimate with um, that's one of my meetings it's a I don't know if that is legal but it's closed but <laughs> somebody told me well that's not OA but I don't know you make friends you get intimate and there's a value in that um, but also I think this public you know a real meeting, a real meeting is better or, or important in its own different way so um, where would we be without our open meetings so um, I have a sponsor and we only talk once a week and frankly I think that more would be better because I still have the tendency to want to stray from my abstinence. I don't ever stray from my abstinence. No flour, no sugar. But there's other ways of straying. I mean, my God, you can find any way. Um, but it's so much better now. And I'm, I'm content in my life. I don't know. I think that's part of aging. Some of you may be in your 60s, 70s seems like the older I get the more content like if there's less decisions or big decisions to make and there's only so much time left in my life oh my god I'm not content but uh, I've never left this program I was I will always be in this program because I need you I need to uh, remember uh, where I've come from I need to remember that uh, the misery of the compulsion um, so, is that five minutes? Thank you, thank you. Uh, I don't know, I feel like I've said it all. But I want to close, you know, I want to talk about something else. Um, this program is, talks a lot about God and higher power. And that has been kind of a struggle for me because I consider myself an atheist. I was raised by atheists. I never step foot in a church from with them uh, and so I never had the concept that I believe in God so they never gave it to me and so I didn't have any God-like experiences um, so whenever I hear the word God it's, it's kind of a, a little jolt you know a little twinge like what's that about so I um, I found this thing in the big book, which is my very favorite passage of the big book, in the chapter, We Agnostics. And this I can really go with. And I'm going to just read that. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. 
In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. And, you know, even here, Bill is saying we found the great reality deep down within us because the way I believe is that how can we know any God without knowing it through our own belief system and our own senses? So, of course, we find it inside. Where else do we find it? We find it in our minds, in our imagination. And this gives me comfort because I do believe that wisdom lies within us. I mean, it's covered over, but I think, you know, that's where I find my higher power. It's deep within. And we all have the issue of how do we know if it's a higher power or if it's our own, you know, neuroses or our own mind. How do we know? Well, we all have that issue to figure out which is which. So I do at night sometimes when I go to bed. Do you ever have that experience? You're sleepy, you're sleepy. Okay, I'm going to go to bed. You get in bed and you're wide awake. What is that? You know, what's the deal with that? But anyway, at those moments, I go, please, God, help me. And I may be an atheist, but I do say, please, God, help me. So I'll stop there. Thanks for listening. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, Yeah. Okay. Any questions? Thank you so much for your lead um, and sharing your experience with us. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, the no flour, no sugar, but the piece that was said afterwards about how we still find ways to sort of challenge that um, afterwards. Okay, the question is... The question is, uh, the abstinence of no flour, no sugar, but because I said there's ways of challenging that, talk about that. Well, what I meant was that (laughs) there's a lot of ways to eat non-soberly other than no flour, no sugar. So, overeating, any other item, or so it's not a special workaround if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> I do look, I look for that, actually. Um, I found a bread that has no flour. So, uh, no flour. If it doesn't say flour, if it doesn't say sugar, I eat it. So, I will eat things that are maybe not so good. And I, I haven't reached neutrality around those items, unfortunately. To be honest. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very, very much for your pitch. Very honest and very interesting. Thank you. Um, you mentioned something about, you know, being in your 70s and uh, and then, you know, your issue with God and so on. And 
do you connect the fact that you have an awareness that there's no much, there's no much time left, and how does that relate to your spiritual uh, work? Uh, the, the essence of we're not here forever. There is a death. How does that affect your spiritual work? Okay, the question is um, basically explain the the idea of not having much time left in my life I'm in my 70s and how does that relate to spiritual work well if I was more spiritual it might work better <laughs> but in the morning I you know I I struggle with what am I going to do next and just for the last couple days I did writing in the morning just to connect with me, just to connect with an inner self, you know, and I say, dear friend, I think, I feel like I need someone to, I think that's why people have God, because we need someone to relate to. You know, we need another being, I think, for me. We need someone else. And, um, but yeah, there's not that much time left, and um, sometimes I worry about it, but uh, I don't, I don't think I do anything that lofty or spiritual about it. I just feel more content in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the tipping point like a year or so ago after having different accidents and kind of back and forth on that? So what was the tipping point for you to go, okay, here's a set accident that we're going to call yeah, the question was, what was the tipping point when I decided that uh, a year ago, why would I start a black and white abstinence that I had not had before? Well, the tipping point was after that nutritionist that was a nightmare, who also had opposite political beliefs, whatever. <laughs> that really kind of made me think I just couldn't follow her. and. And also, it just was not working. I, I, and something just, I just went, okay, I give up. And my sponsor always talked about how she was absolutely never eating flour or sugar, and that was working for her for so many years. And I decided to align with my sponsor in that way because I was kind of out of control. And I might say every time I try to diet or lose weight, it backfires so I need to focus on the tools of this program and a, a reasonable abstinence to 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 make it work any other questions yes um, you mentioned service and I was wondering if sponsoring others is part of that and if, if, if you could speak to that uh, the question is I mentioned service is sponsorship a form of service Yes, absolutely it is. I have, I've, had several, I've had different sponsees, and none of them ever went through the fourth step. They would always drop out, and I didn't think I was a very strong sponsor, actually. But I have one sponsee now that, um, that I feel really good about sponsoring. I mean, she, she's, she's such a mensch, and she's a good person, and... She wants to do the right thing, and she'll she'll say, "Can you give me some direction?" Or she'll, I don't know. It's easy to sponsor her, and I feel good about it because I feel like 
I just tap into my my kindness. I, okay. I'm not pushy. I'm not forceful, but I'm kind. You know, if she says, "Oh, I didn't write today," say, "That's fine." You know, maybe tomorrow. But I talk to her every day, Monday through Friday, and I think that's that's really good. I think, and it helps me definitely because I get to be kind to another human being in a in a loving way. Well, that's redundant, but I get to um, you know help her help her along. Yeah. Yes. So what is it you think talk to your sponsor every day and what are you doing about it? The question was uh, I said I should talk to my sponsor every day and what am I doing about it? Oh my God. That is a good question because what am I doing about I love my sponsor. I love her. She's so wise and a brilliant woman and um Lately, she talks to me about her struggles. I mean, she didn't for a long time. And I'm not sure that's helpful. Uh, but it is, in a way, it's comforting. But, you know, when I think, oh, I should find another sponsor or get a new sponsor, I can't do it. I think it's my resistance to uh, my resistance, frankly. So I'm not doing anything about it. Yes? Um, thank you so much. Um, what is it that you are still afraid of every day, and, and how do you handle that with a program or any of the tools? What do you use when you're afraid? Wow, what a question. What are the tools I use when I'm afraid? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because sometimes I don't even recognize fear, and maybe it's there all the time. I know that I am afraid sometimes. Uh, of people different people and take a deep breath smile be kind you know I kind to me um, sometimes I'm afraid that that um, that I'm doing it wrong or that I have no right to my feelings or or my intuition, but, um, you know, learning to, to honor my own feelings, actually. So I'm not sure that's, I don't, don't know if that answers. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for your share. Uh, since joining the program and developing your way of thinking, how have you found uh, your relationship with your family and close friends have developed? This Especially if they continue in some of the same patterns they have before, and you can kind of see that now in a new light. Yeah, thank you. The question was, since joining the program, how do I manage relationships or handle relationships where um, people, maybe they didn't change, but I'm not sure, but I think I asked it. Um, well, I feel like more kindness. I actually um, think that what I got from what I noticed in me after a couple of years in the program was I just felt kinder in general. And I think just kinder, more patient, more willing to listen to others, uh, 
I, that, every week we say that 11th step prayer, or is that the one? St. Francis. Uh, try to understand before being understood. Love without being loved. Just being, being more willing to be patient. I have a sister-in-law who's very, very... Ooh, this is on tape. Very difficult. She won't hear this. <laughs> Domineering, demanding, always giving me advice. And she's in my life. And she calls me every few days. I love her. I love talking with her. When she gives me advice, I say, thank you. I don't argue anymore. I just let her be herself. I let people be themselves. I don't demand others to be certain ways. I might want them to, and I have to take that to my own work. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Thank you, Louise, for your great share. Um, can you talk a little bit more about what it was like for you as, uh, as an atheist coming to this program and, and <coughs> coming up against the second and the third step? How did uh, surrender did that work for you? The question was, how do I deal as an atheist slash agnostic in <laughs> listening to the second, prayer, the second step, the third step? Well, frankly, it was always something that it was, it was hard really so like the second step is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves well it does say power greater than ourselves so I was I went I did the things I um, wrote out you know sponsor asked me to write out what what I would want in a higher power and it was it's general things kindness generosity love uh, sometimes I do writing and find a higher power um, and I, 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 I believe Bill it doesn't have to be God it's a higher power of your own choosing so I keep having to remember that um, I do say the prayers but sometimes I don't I don't say God actually uh, I have there are atheist agnostic meetings in this program and um, they're quite different and they're, they're much more you know how they say, um, give up the debating society. There's a lot more debate <laughs> and a lot more uh, sort of like philosophizing, and I can relate with that. So um, I, I, love this, I love this program, and I get to choose my own higher power, and that's what I'm going with. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how did you choose your sponsor? come in, people raise their hands to potential sponsors, it's a little confusing. How did you choose your sponsor? Yeah, the question was, how do I choose my, how did I choose my sponsors? <laughs> <laughs> I've had several. <laughs> um, more than several, several means three, right? Um, I've had like four or five sponsors, but the first one it was just an intuitive feeling. I thought, well, they say, look for what you want or find somebody that has what you want. And um, there was something about her. She, she was confrontive, actually, in a meeting. She, she, she said something confrontive, like somebody wasn't doing, I don't remember, but somebody wasn't doing something programmy, you know, that's in, in, in the program. And she confronted them. And, oh, she mentioned that there was too much crosstalk at the meeting. That's what it was. And um, I thought, there is somebody that is willing to speak up and 
she really loves this program and and she was a little bit rigid for me and but um, I chose her um, the other ones it was an intuitive feeling I liked the way they spoke or this current one I have I saw her at a meeting and uh, she was really cute no she was, she was great she just she was smart and well, just intuitive intuition intuition any other questions? This is so fun. <laughs> wow, someone's interested in my opinion? Wow, where does that happen in life? Right? <laughs> Your experience is your opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. What's your relationship to the traditions? Uh, the question was, what's my relationship to the traditions? Every time I hear them, I think they make a lot of sense. <laughs> I like them. I like the traditions. I really do. This program really seems solid to me. Everything about it. The whole thing. I mean, it's great. Uh, I wish I could just point one out and say... Uh, Overeaters and us should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ the main part, forever non-professional. Because I have seen a lot of professionals in my life. I've had a lot of different professional programs, therapists, things like that. And everyone always has their other motives. This program doesn't have a motive of, of, of self-aggrandizement or however you say that. So it's really, I love that about this program, but it's not professional. So that's a safeguard, a safeguard against somebody gaining their own something or other. Anybody else? Yeah. How do you work the steps? I know you. I didn't recognize you before. Now I do. How do I work the steps? Yeah, on a daily basis. Frankly, I don't work the steps on a daily basis. I um, think about them when I need them. Period. <laughs> Honesty is the best policy. I do make phone calls uh, when I am in trouble. When I'm upset, I call somebody. And uh, that's not a step, but... That's a tool of program I use. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, what's your relationship with the scale? The scale. Oh, interesting. What is my relationship with the scale? For a long time, I weighed once a week. And I have had bouts of weighing every day. And I like that because there's a part of me that... Well, I thought that weighing every day keeps me honest in a certain way and it keeps me accountable. Oh, I'm weighing more today or it's going up because I'm doing X. And I've heard so many people talk about how it's really not helpful to them. And so I do not weigh anymore. I weigh once in a while when I feel like it, but not more than once a week and um, 
when I was trying actively to lose weight, I was weighing every day. And I thought it was helping at the time, but it always seems to backfire if I'm trying to lose weight. The program says we, we deal, we work the steps of the program, we use the tools of the program, and the weight kind of, you know, it's a side issue. We work the spiritual aspects of the program. So I think that the weighing of myself is part of that control that does not really work for me over long haul. It really doesn't. Anybody else? Okay, maybe it's...